What do you hear? I can hear people traveling across town to work, sitting alone in their cars, bumper to bumper with unseen strangers. I can hear food in lorries arriving from all over the continent to be stacked on supermarket shelves. And I can hear rubber on concrete all around me. And here we are, standing amongst the traffic, making a podcast about environmental sustainability and justice. That might seem daft because cities, at least in many people's imaginations, are environmentally unsustainable and unjust. They eat resources, create divisions, spew out waste, and they are often vast seas of concrete that sprout traffic jams and busy, stressed out, money-minded people. But there's plenty of reason to be optimistic as well. Cities are also places jam-packed full of amazing initiatives. Places where people co-create different approaches that think through sustainability and justice side by side. In fact, one of the things that makes cities so special, we think, are their constraints. Constraints of space, constraints of resources, constraints of people's supporting and conflicting opinions. And it is these that often prove to be the stimulus to find a better way of doing something, a more creative approach to solutions. And this is where this podcast wants to start from. My name's uh, Ian M. Cook, and I'm a research fellow at the Central European University. I'm also an urban anthropologist and a podcast producer, and I'm joined by Kate McGinn. And I am a Fulbright Fellow at the Central European University. And with this podcast, we want to create a sort of arena, a place where different ideas, approaches, solutions, notions, emotions, and potions will be integrated through conversations with really, really fascinating people who, in different European cities, have been tackling issues around unsustainability and injustice. Basically, a choice smorgasbord of people who are trying to make or remake our cities. In this arena for your ears, I'll be playing the role of a friendly, angry lion trying to eat the gladiators. I don't think anyone wants to listen to a podcast that's full of worthy people being overly worthy, so I'll be pushing the guests, playing devil's advocate, and in doing so, hopefully help us better understand what they're up to and why it matters. Now, I'll not agree with a lot of them, and you'll not agree with a lot of them, and they won't agree with each other all the time, but that's the point. It's an arena, out of which hopefully something new might arise. It's an ongoing exploration into thinking about sustainable and just cities in Europe. We want to do this with local, cultural, and political contexts in mind, but also with an ear on how approaches can be transferred to different places. Aside from approaches, there's going to be podcasts on drivers of injustice and unsustainability, especially in regards to how they interact, podcasts on governance, and when we get towards the end of the journey, some podcasts on policy solutions as well. This podcast is part of a three-year project, Urbana, Urban Arenas for Sustainable and Just Cities. And in this first episode, we're going to speak to Ursula Lazagni, one of the co-founders of Cargonomia, a Budapest-based low-tech logistics center providing solutions for the transport of goods through cargo bikes, a collection hub and distribution point for locally produced and organic food, and a place for community activities dealing with sustainability, transition, and degrowth. But anyway, enough of us two talking, because right now I'm going to get on my bike, leave this traffic behind, and cycle on over to Cargonomia HQ and speak with Orshi about sustainable transport, organic food, and alternative economics. See you in a bit, Kate. Okay, so thank you very much, Orshi. Um, we're here now in the headquarters of uh, Cargonomia, and um, I was going to explain it, but maybe it's better if you do. Tell me like where we are and, and what it is you do here. Yeah, hi, and so welcome in Kargonomia, in the, in the seventh district of, of Budapest. Um, so one of our 
uh, our activities, this the box is the vegetable box distribution. Each week, each Thursday, we distribute uh, the vegetable boxes of this uh, organic garden. And this garden uh, sells they they uh, produce uh, not uh, in a conventional way, like in in the in the markets that you can pick uh, what you want, but they sell vegetables vegetables in boxes. So every week they sell what is uh, produced, what's what's grown uh, during the week, and uh, it makes it much uh, easier. The, the 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 operation for the for the farmer and one of our other activity is uh, is promoting the usage of of cargo bikes and uh, one of the way to to do that is uh, to to help uh, this, this bike messenger company uh, to to get uh, the boxes delivered by the cargo bikes but we also would like to to uh, make the cargo bikes accessible for for uh, average people average citizens in, in Budapest uh, and since uh, since 2015 uh, when we we founded the uh, Cargonomia uh, we promote cargo bike us- usage for everybody uh, and in 2018 spring we we started the cargo bike sharing uh, system Uh, in uh, um, in cooperation with the Commons Cargo Bike Network, network which is a German-based uh, network or, or forum. And now we have uh, five uh, locations where um, we distributed our cargo bikes. And each place is a community place who is committed to the local sustainable uh, uh, mobility. And uh, so besides being a, a vegetable box distribution point and the cargo bike pickup point, it's also for us, it's a community place. Yeah, so I mean, as far as, as I understand it so far, yeah. then you're in touch with farmers, not so far outside Budapest, and it gets delivered here. And then people are either collecting it or you're delivering. And also people can rent cargo bikes from you. But you said there's other activities. So what else is there that you do? Yes, we are also involved in a urban gardening project. Uh, last year, uh, we started uh, an urban agroforestry project. Uh, actually, that, that was developed by a, a French PhD student, and in cooperation with her, uh, in one of in another district of Budapest, uh, uh, we started to. Um, develop uh, an edible forest uh, which uh, which is a new well that's a new actually it's an old concept of, of, of gardening but uh, it's about that gardening shouldn't be only about growing uh, vegetables but we should combine the other elements of the nature like the trees for example bushes uh, and other edible edible plants and uh, it's an open garden so everybody can uh, can visit there is no fence everybody can can use the place and well it's still uh, quite small because uh, obviously trees need time to grow uh, but uh, every week there is uh, some people going there and who are interested and asking uh, what is it and and uh, for us it's a very good way to promote uh, the idea of of how much urban gardening is is important not only because of uh, biodiversity and and obviously we want to feed budapest uh, with one garden uh, but uh, to to get the to get the idea and uh, yeah none of us is uh, expert in farming or, or gardening but we learn and it's also fun so 
Yeah. So summarizing, we have uh, these three, well, we have three uh, very concrete uh, activities. The first is the box, the vegetable box distribution. The second is the cargo bike sharing. And the third is, um, is this urban garden, uh, gardening project. And as a fourth uh, activity, I would mention the, our educational activities because it's also important for us that we uh, that we even we welcome people here in in our headquarters or we we visit uh, uh, schools, universities, kindergartens, uh, or other community places about these topics. For example, two weeks ago, uh, a community place uh, invited us to to bring some uh, some cargo bikes, and this community place is uh, is is uh, located in uh, one of the outer districts of Budapest, and uh, and they opened a, uh, a place for students from uh, high school, but uh, from from uh, lower classes. And we, we came with two cargo bikes and we spent like three hours there while we were invited only for two or one and a half or something like that. But they were very, very enthusiastic. Then they, they asked a lot of questions that what you can use a, a bike for and how you can rent it and uh, whether they can build it. And, uh, and it was great to, to see. Mm -hmm. And um, so what you're, what you're doing is a... Um I understand. I'm just wondering, like, how then it's uh, how are your activities maybe are funded? So um, I, I imagine in in terms of the the farming and the box distribution, this is in some way an economic activity. I mean, this is how you can fund the other the rest of your activities, or do you rely on grants? Or yeah, how is it you manage to pay for your pay for your work? Mm -hmm. All of us uh, we work for free in Cargonomia. We are all volunteers. Uh, we Yes, we have some monetary income, but uh, we really would like to uh, not use money. We consciously trying to to minimize uh, the the monetary income income we get. Most of our projects is uh, is always based on the resources we already have. So we are not looking for a new project to create income, but we look looking for meaningful projects which can be carried out uh, easily based on the resources we already have. Uh, for example, the cargo bike sharing system, which was uh, initiated uh, one year and a half ago, uh, we already had, or the, the some of the members of Cargonomy had their own own cargo bikes, and uh, and we decided to to distribute them to to other community places, but we contacted community places uh, who were already our partners. So if I was going to be a little bit mean, let's say, and I was looking at it from the outside, I would say, okay, you're, 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 you're saying you want to be sustainable or you want to try all these ideas of maybe different sorts of economies that are not based around profit and so on, but you're all people who are working in various ways in the, you know, the mainstream economy. Um, you might want to then call this your hobby that you do on the side and the way that somehow the some sort of income is generated is either through these, you know, large international sort of I know, grants or research or state research and then selling organic food to middle class people in Budapest. So, <laughs> so if I, I don't know if somebody mean like me would say that to you, like what, what I mean, how do you respond? I mean, is it can can you can you scale up what you do? Is it is it simply just something on the, on the side or, or yeah, how would you respond? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a great question, and uh, I'm often asked. Uh, uh, and um, our answer usually is that that uh, yeah, we need uh, we still need a paid job, uh, and uh, and we are lucky uh, because we can organize ourselves that beside our paid job we can we can still do cargonomia, but it's also our job. I mean, we could uh, work for another project. We could we could look for more income, we could look for more jobs so that we are paid, uh, but we are not. And we decide to spend our time uh, in the activities of, of cargonomia because we are we believe uh, that uh, that it's meaningful. Um, actually, we wouldn't want cargonomia to be upscaled. The the size now, it's it's not perfect, but it's fine. We, we know a lot of people. We, we know a lot of people who come to pick their boxes. We know the people who uh, borrow our cargo bikes. And uh, uh, at this moment, it's how that's how it is manageable for us. Time to time we sit down and we and we have a discussion about uh, what we should what should we do. But uh, at the end, we always we always uh, um, agree that uh, that's how we we uh, like it at the moment and because we don't have the the pressure of, of getting a profit or paying an income for somebody that's why uh, we can um, do the activities in, in the way we do so we don't uh, we are not pressured to do one more event just because we we have to we need to cr create some income um, and also that's why we can make um, the decision this decisions based on uh, on uh, ecological aspects for uh, for example because this is really very uh, important for us <laughs> and it's interesting that you say that it's work i'm wondering is the do you see it as the same type of work as what you do your paid work uh yeah we don't call it work actually <laughs> it's uh it's my vocabulary probably uh well yeah it's an um, activity we uh we do uh because uh, yeah because work uh, yeah it's more uh, related to yeah to paid activity for income and uh, something you must do and uh, by participating in cargonomia we also try to reorganize and and reimagine uh, how our everyday and how our world would be if uh, we didn't have to spend uh, eight hours in an in an office to to make some work what we don't like to do uh, and and uh, and compared to that how our life could be or how the world could be if uh, if we do what we like to do and not because we are paid and because we have the contract but but because we, we want to do so for us it's also it's it's a self reflection uh, process and also that's why we decide uh, each year not to have an income from from cargonomia but to keep this uh, this informal uh, the informality in the cooperation uh, beyond our practical activities like the box distribution cargo bike sharing system uh, or the urban garden projects it's we also try to experiment an alternative uh, economic organizations because we, we believe that uh, the organizations which who, which aim is to to create profit and who are, who are acting on the on the market in the market economy uh, they can only make uh, 
unsustainable, ecologically unsustainable uh, and socially unjust uh, uh, decisions. And, uh, and we try to question that and, and we try to experiment that, okay, if we take out this profit pressure, whether we are able to act based on uh, ecologically uh, and socially just uh, aspects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's and it's interesting in you saying you're trying to work out alternative economic um, ways of organizing yourself. I mean, can you can I can I push you a bit more on this? Like, how, what what do you call these things that you do? Then, if it's if it's out, it's it's not capitalism. Then I guess quite clearly. And then, well, what is it that you're what what are your alternative economies that you're building? Yeah. So one one uh, uh, way to to approach it is the social and solidarity economy. Uh, According to, to this concept, the economy shouldn't be centered around market, but also informal groups should be included in, in the economy, the informality, reciprocity, solidarity, uh, and also redistribution. Um, and uh, maybe a broader concept, and also maybe even a more radical one, it's the growth uh, concept which questions the, the economic growth. Uh, doesn't believe that uh, infinite growth exists and uh, that we should uh, reorganize uh, the, the, our lives uh, not based on money and, and, uh, and based on the ever-growing economic system, but, uh, but based on more human, uh, human aspects, well-being, uh, the, how we relate to nature, how we interact with the nature, nature and each other, uh, what what we call work, uh, for example, and, uh, and and we try to experiment it in cargonomia within the, the exist, as existing system, uh, which is the market uh, market economy, and uh, of course we say we face uh, uh, challenges uh, every day. But for example, the cargo bike sharing system is based on donation. It's based on on a on a on a free donation uh, from the people who would like to borrow a bike, so we try to make small small changes, and we we try to promote it to 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 the other people. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, could you give me an example then? Like you you mentioned, okay, then there are people who donate, or people would do, or people would maybe do things outside of just giving money. Can you give me an example of what that might be? Uh, some civil organi- other civil organization ask uh, us uh, sometime if we will, if they could use one of our cargo bikes, and if it's if it's for a, um, a meaningful purpose, for example, to collect waste uh, along the, the Danube, or or delivering uh, used uh, second-hand clothes to 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 poor uh, families. Often we, we give the bikes we give the uh, bikes for for free in, a, in for a cooperation. Uh, so the the main uh, goal of the project is to to promote uh, sustainable mobility in the in the city, which is a big problem in in Budapest uh, at the moment. So we we are not uh, only trying to to uh, make the bikes accessible for as many people as we can. Uh, but we also um, pay attention for how the bikes are, are constructed uh, and uh, we try not to buy uh, bikes uh, uh, built in, in China and then transport it to, to, to Hungary. Most of the bikes in our system, they are constructed here in Hungary. Actually at uh, our other partner organization, which is called Cyclonomia, 
uh, which is a DIY or do-it-yourself uh, bike uh, workshop. Uh, and uh, and most of the bikes in our system were, were constructed here uh, at this place. Uh, so even the bikes are locally constructed. So so with with the promotion of cargo bikes, we also trying to help uh, local uh, cargo bike uh, builders. Right, so in spite of the cold and rainy weather we got here in Budapest uh, this rather cold October evening, we decided to head out on our bikes and uh, continue our conversation in one of the community gardens or she mentioned that Kaganumia are involved with. So yeah, let's get on our bikes and then uh, yeah, continue our conversation once we reach there. Ooh, okay, so we've had a bit of a cycle out now uh, away from the uh, headquarters, uh, HQ of uh, Kaganumia now, um, yeah, well, maybe yeah, you tell me, where are we? Yes, yeah, so we are uh, in one of the outer district of, of Budapest, uh, where last year we, we started to develop the urban agroforest. We planted a, a few trees and uh, while well, they are not, uh, not so huge yet, as you can, as you can see, but uh, it's a kind of a success because uh, most of them uh, survived the, the winter. Uh, and. Uh, and uh, so around the trees, uh, there are some uh, small bushes which are producing, uh, supposed to produce uh, some, uh, some berries. Uh, and uh, well, now you can't see any more, but during the summer, there were some, some a few, a few edibles, uh, uh, edible vegetables uh, and, and herbs. Uh, and uh, while well, it's supposed to be a community place, we are planning to, to build uh, uh, some, some benches so that people can, can come here and, uh, and enjoy the, the garden and the compost box so that people who live around can, uh, uh, can bring their own, own compost here. And we would like to um, uh, encourage people uh, so that they come and, and uh, uh, plant their own uh, plants. Also this summer, uh, maybe you can see the rest of it, but uh, somebody planted some tomatoes and uh, we were quite surprised in uh, one of the week uh, there were some uh, tom tomatoes appeared. And uh, well, of course, it's you can't call it a forest yet, but you have to start, uh, start uh, somewhere. And um, yeah, and what's also important that it used to be an illegal parking plot. Uh, so there was uh, nothing, no nature here, uh, basically. Uh, but we now we try to create uh, something uh, alive, alive here with the people who, who live around. I was wondering about how much of what you can do um, in terms of, for example, um, um, the informalities that exist within Budapest or within Hungary that hasn't been completely taken over by the market or the just more general, um, especially amongst the older generations here, not to buy things, but to fix things, like which is definitely stronger, I think, in, in Hungary than what you would find in parts of Western Europe. So I'm wondering how do the specificities of being, you know, in Budapest or in Hungary, how do they help or also hinder um, the sort of the, the types of activities that you're trying to do? Uh, yeah, so you mentioned informality. Well, it's definitely helps, supports what we do. And uh, yeah, based on my experience, so what my friends tells me from, from Western Europe, is definitely a, a, a positive thing that, that it still exists in the, this part of Europe. Uh, one of our main strengths is that we can cooperate with our groups, our, our other civil organizations in Budapest. And uh, I believe it's... it's um, 
it's because of uh, this uh, this uh, informality that um, everybody is used to that. I suppose the the wider political context in in Hungary is not necessarily pro um, environment sustainability. Um, at least the, the general political mood. I would, and you can disagree with me, and uh, and also um, maybe a bit of a scepticism from um, the ruling party and the sort of the dominant political force in society that 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 we should really be caring about um, the environment. At least, certainly not in the way that that you do at Kaganomia, and um, and I suppose the many people could say that there's a relative okay justification for this because there's still certainly large parts of Hungary outside of Budapest in, in eastern Hungary where some basic infrastructural problems are, are really there like you know decent roads you know sewage linking houses and so on so they could say well you know what this is fine let those let those um, let those kids do that in Budapest but actually we have a we have more urgent things we should make you know we should actually be building roads and real infrastructure um, you know, in the sort of the old idea of development before we start to worry about, you know, organic food boxes. So maybe politically, this is a challenge for your activities. Um, yeah, so in Hungary, it's, I think it's been always difficult to 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 work with, uh, with decision makers uh, uh, as a researcher and, and and as a civil actor as well. Uh, and yeah, and it haven't uh, improved in the in the last year let's last years uh, let's say um, to be honest as in cargonomia we we, ne- we never um, get any direct uh, negative impact uh, because of uh, of of the local political uh, climate uh, but it doesn't mean that it didn't uh, worry didn't worry us and uh, especially in in Budapest, in in the capital, uh, there uh, um, at least the narrative of the de- decision makers were, were against bikes. Uh, so and so we don't and we don't even speak about cargo bikes, only bikes. Uh, but it's very interesting because on one hand the narrative was was against the bikes, but at the same time a lot of uh, bike routes have been built and the bike infrastructure have been improved. And uh, you know, what, what's what's difficult? I think that there is a big uh, difference between Budapest and the rest of the country and the, and the rest of Hungary. And uh, we try to um, to reach out to the countryside, to to villages, to to smaller towns, uh, but uh, still we live in Budapest, and uh, we realize that well, you can make an impact where you live. I mean, we can travel sometime to to a village, but we don't live there, so we don't see the local problems, and. Uh, and we are aware about uh, about this gap, and we are aware about that. Yeah, we are in Budapest, and and there are uh, wealthier people buying the vegetables. There are uh, well-educated people using the cargo cargo bikes because they know that it's more sustainable, and they know why is it important. Um, and uh, and it's difficult to reach out to villages where people imagine that uh, Vas is about uh, uh, having a car. And uh, until it's not changed, we, we cannot propose them. A, it's very challenging to propose them a cargo bike because they see cargo bike as a, not as a as a great, useful, sustainable tool of transportation, but something which looks poor, and they want to 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 look wealthy and fancy, uh, and and it's very very difficult to change. So 
we are aware, aware about uh, this this problem and we try to reflect on that uh, uh, but also be, we believe that we, we act on the field where we can uh, and uh, and if we have the the, pot the possibility we, we we try to cooperate with other people who are more experienced in in reaching out to to other uh, other places in Hungary as well. So my as my final question, so you've been going since 2015. Yeah, I, I don't want to use the word grow because I know grow is a dirty word around here, but you <laughs> you've consolidated yourself. And um, I mean, you, you're, you're relatively known, at least in certain circles in, in Budapest, and you've now, you know, expanded into different activities. But you also said earlier on that you didn't want um, to scale up any necessarily any bigger than what you are. So I'm wondering then, what do you imagine you, yourselves doing in the next few years? Yeah, so you are right, you framed it, well, we don't want to grow, but uh, we would be glad to share our, our experience. And for example, if other people want to start urban agroforest or permaculture community garden, uh, we are happy to, to share our experience and support local initiatives to, to start uh, activities similar or, or, or to ours or based on, on the same logic. For example, to create a cooperation between already existing organizations. Uh, it's, a, it's a very easy way to create synergi synergies and, and to create uh, uh, new activities and, and we would be very happy to, to share it. Um, and uh, well, some of our projects could be could be upscaled, like the cargo bike sharing system, or, or among others, uh, but only in cooperation with uh, with the local municipalities or uh, or with other organi organizations. And the future's bright. You think? You're optimistic about the next few years. The next few few years. Well, I'm optimistic uh, because of the of the the changes in the in the local elections in Budapest. But we'll see what will really become true or become real. Uh, so the next few years, I am optimistic. But in the next decades, well, we don't know. I, I'm a bit less optimistic. I, I don't think we have time to change the world, but uh, I think we can we can create sm small solutions so that after a bigger crisis or, or, or after the transition, let's say we have uh, some solutions that we can uh, use, for example, local food production, uh, uh, mobility, which is not based on, on fossil fuels and so on. And, and I, I believe that we are creating also a network, network of people who, who are carrying out activities to survive. Thank you so much, Oshi. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so I'm back with Kate, uh, who was listening into the conversation via a solar-powered hidden microphone, and we're sitting in a warm, cozy, and very pink studio in Budapest. So, uh, Kate, well, you were listening. Did you find anything particularly interesting in our conversation? Yeah, I did. One of the things that stuck out to me in particular was this huge emphasis on education that Carganomia does. They not only try to rent bikes and maintain the community gardens, but they're trying to educate people on how to do their own urban farming and urban gardening. 
but then also how food is produced, where it comes from, how to live sustainably. Um, and I think these are things that maybe are a little bit less tangible, but are so important to Cardinomia's initiatives and its mission. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, we're in Budapest, so I, I know them a little bit. I've known their stuff, but I never actually knew about their educational stuff. I know them as the people with the funny bikes who who, who drive around town because that's someone and, and the delivery of organic food. And um, and I suppose that fits in with their, I mean, or she was, was, was hinting it towards the end of her discussion that, you know, maybe it's too late to save the world, but maybe they need to have uh, things in place for when the world uh, collapses. And I suppose that's when education is really important, right? Because if, you know, if all of our food um, transport links break down once we run out of carbon and, uh, and, um, and then we need actually ed people educated in how to grow their own food and how to look after themselves. Well, and that's how people change their minds. If they really understand how difficult it is to produce food, how challenging it is to, you know, farm a, a, a thing of broccoli, all these things <laughs> are, sometimes they just seem to pass us by because we just buy things from grocery stores and totally forget about the production cycle that goes into one potato. Do you know how to grow broccoli or potatoes? That is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the local Lidl and that's it. Yeah, yeah. The, um, I suppose, I mean, if, I mean, I was trying to push her a bit about being a bit critical, uh, being a little bit critical in terms of scale. I mean, I understand her argument in the sense that, okay, like they're doing, they want to do things of a certain size. That's what they can do. And they would like other people yeah, to, to learn and replicate. And they're happy to share that. But I also, um, if we, if we do think, you know, that we're coming to the, you know, sort of a critical point in the history of our planet, I was about to say humankind, but it's really the history of our planet. Mm. Then, um, I wonder, you know, can small, what, you know, small scale initiatives, I don't want to say it's like, you know, shifting deck chairs on the Titanic as it's getting ready to sink, but it might feel, you know, somebody could say, but come on guys, you know, you need to think big. This is a time for, you know, turning your local, initiative into something on a, not only a, a, a countrywide, but a global wide scale, because otherwise we're, we're all screwed. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually think urban ag can be scalable and can be massive. I mean, or she said one farm can't feed Budapest, but several farms I think do have the potential to do that potentially. If you look at a country like, or a city like Havana, um, they've done tremendous work in urban ag and I mean, studies say that something like 90% of Havana locals get their food from urban ag um, communities and farms. Obviously, you know, things happen in Cuba that complicate that history and, and, and make it maybe harder to replicate here in Budapest or in other cities. But I do think there's a lot to be learned. And I think it, there is room to be hopeful for scaling community gardens and scaling that idea so that more community gardens can exist in a place like Budapest and then hopefully be a, a substantial source of, of, of food for cities. Well, that's, uh, and I apologize, Kate, for this point, that's plenty of food for thought. Um, but uh, if you listening, wherever you are listening, um, want to join in the discussion, we really want you to join in the discussion. Maybe you want to take issue with some of the claims or she made, or maybe you know other interesting or innovative solutions to urban injustice and unsustainability, or maybe you just want to send us gushing praise. If so, there's lots of ways you can contact us. Yes, you can email us through the contact form found at our website, urban-arena.eu or at urbana at ceu.edu. And you can also find us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle at arena underscore urban. All right, that is it from us. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.
This podcast is part of a three-year project, Urbana, Urban Arenas for Sustainable and Just Cities. It was funded by the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme.